0: The following podcast is a production of Mosaic in Whittier, California, a community of faith, hope, and love. For more information about Mosaic gatherings and events, please visit mosaic.org. All right, we got all through that. Actually, I did mean to pray. Father, thank you so much for being a good God to us, and for family, for friends, for good food, for good coffee, for homes, and... and, uh, The way you've allowed us to enjoy your benefits, this beautiful, beautiful day out there today, for beaches and for hills and nature and music and dance and so much that you've allowed us to, being your creative agent, to make and to enjoy. But I pray this morning, as we're discussing the idea of peacemakers, that you help me share what you've been speaking to me about and what I've been thinking about my own life. In your name, amen. Matthew chapter 5. Now, when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and sat down, and his disciples came to him, and he began to teach them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called sons of God. And blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. In, in, in my mind's eye, because everything, everything is a movie, and depending on the relational dynamic, uh, I may write people out of the next scene, that, you know, I, I'm, I'm trying to picture this from Jesus' point of view. You know those, those, that, that film, that scene sort of a technical language of the different types of shots, the point of view shot, which is which you're supposedly seeing through the eyes of the main character. And so um, to put myself in that place, you know, you, you have to see a scene where uh, Jesus is probably up on a bit of a hill speaking out to the natural amphitheater that would have been created that way. And in that crowd of people, there are... Um, know romans the italians right Um, there were people from the greek the ten cities area and 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 just to make sure that this you, you kind of feel this this is a on the back of any of your bibles if you have a map of israel during the time of jesus there's an area right in the middle of israel that almost cuts it in half known as the decapolis and in a couple of sections in the gospels or the biographies of jesus it mentions people from the, the Decapolis that were his followers. What makes the Decapolis unique is that it's it's a Greek region, purely Greek. Decapolis means ten cities, and sometimes your your Bibles will translate that word Decapolis as the, t- the ten cities. And so, when you think of Israel during the time of Jesus, you have a And if you get the idea of some like little villages and towns and not much else, it's it's not quite that way. You have a much more sophisticated culture. And you have the Roman structures, you have some of the the Jewish structures, but in the middle of it, the Decapolis were those ten Greek cities that were rich in culture and music and theater and literature and philosophy. And you have to feel that they had little regard for the desert god. And with all the heritage of philosophers and great thinkers to have a young man as a rabbi, folks leave their heritage to follow a Jewish rabbi, a young man in his 30s, was, he must have had an impact in what he was saying. There must have been something he was speaking so clearly into their souls that even though he was not one of them, they understood exactly what he was saying. You have in scenes in the mix of all of this. These are um, radical monk-like people. While they had beautiful structures to meet in, they chose a an ascetic lifestyle. They lived in caves. They had a very uh, Spartan way of approaching life because somehow uh, punishing the body was, or denying the body comforts and luxury was somehow you know better for the soul. Thank goodness we know better. And um, then you had different members of the religious order of pharisees and sadducees and the sadducees would i guess and i don't even really like this term they would be a bit more flexible in their theology and narrow yet in its scope they only recognized uh certain books of their sacred scriptures where pharisees recognized them all and then added some on top of that and there was this constant friction between the two In the midst of all that, you have families and business owners and shopkeepers and people who were uh, just either uh, crippled or people who were not in great health and those who had various degrees of, of devotion to the life that they and the creeds that they held. And yet, for some reason, when they were listening to Jesus, there was something about what he was saying that that made sense to everybody. I mean, they almost heard the answers to their own questions that were being asked. It was almost as if the questions that were going on in their, in their soul were moving much, much faster than their brains were. He was answering the question before they could even formulate it to ask. But you, you come to a passage like this about peacemakers, and you know it, it's—you have to think of the terms of the context that Jesus was speaking into. This is not a. Um, this is a very rich culture of people. I mean, it's—it's it's not. Any less metropolitan than, let's say, something like Los Angeles, where we have a mix of ideas and a mix of different people and a mix of cultures and a mix of, of wealth and levels of, of, of success, poverty, folks who were wealthier, folks who were. I mean, you know, I, I think when we think of poverty, we think, oh, I can't buy Starbucks this morning. You know, I'm broke. You know, I can't get Starbucks this morning. But but when you think in terms of poverty that's experienced in, in our country and in many many parts of the world. The poverty is just overwhelmingly crushing, you know, suffocating to a person's life. And, and these were folks who lived in that. And, and on top of that, there wasn't even the sense of compassion that is a result of some of the, let's say, Jesus influence in our world. That folks who lived in some sort of physical, emotional, or financial distress were being punished by God or punished by the God that they believed in. So not only did they have t- a tough time physically but they were also looked down upon by their contemporaries. You must have have done something awfully bad for God to hate you this much. And so to live with that tacit understanding that not only am I struggling here, but I'm I'm just, you know, even God doesn't like me. I mean, you know, what's left? I also want to to notice is that when Jesus speaks in that verse, in verse 9, he doesn't say, blessed are the peaceful. You're not uniquely happy because you're peaceful. You, you are in a unique, fortunate state of pleasure and joy because you are a peacemaker. And people who are peacemakers tend to be uh, reservoirs for places and people that are dry. I mean, they're just missing life. They're missing it spiritually, they're missing it in their faith. There's no hope or very little hope. There seems to be despair, there's very little love. And, you know, sometimes when I think of all of those adjectives that we have in the scriptures and what we use, to hopefully, to to actually describe our community, community of faith, hope, and love, I I know that the one that's been most painful for me to experience, though they're all linked, was the one of hope, the absence of hope. I mean, you, you could... You know people who seem to do pretty well without any kind of religious beliefs or a belief system. I mean, they have a meta-narrative for the world. They function in a, in a, in a screen of how to process life, a filter. But, and, and you've met people that sometimes are not very, let's say, kind or loving. They, they, they seem to be perhaps a bit shallow, maybe one-dimensional. But, you know, it's almost to me, I, I can't understand how people operate without hope. It's, it's such a crushing, debilitating Um, you know, life-sucking-out, (laughs) vampire-like, you know, sense of sucking the life out of you that when you don't have hope of anything ever getting better, then why do you do anything today? And so I understand to some degree people who choose or refuse to live about hope, choose perhaps even then, just to end their life, whether it's physically end it, or perhaps even pull back from life altogether and are no longer really functioning as human beings. So Jesus is not speaking to people who are, hey man, when you are peaceful, you are uniquely happy. He says, when you are a person that makes peace or causes peace, you are in a unique state of being, of happiness and resolve and and comfort. People who are peacemakers, they they are not comfortable with injustice. They are not comfortable with somebody else's discomfort. Now this is not the person that's the busybody, the person that has to be involved in everybody's business. But that person who is a peacemaker is not, they just can't have pleasure completely in their own comfort, their own character, and their own peace. They have to find a way to create it for others. And so Jesus says there's there, there's something about you that when you are this peacemaker, you are uniquely connected to God. Now keep in mind, when we looked at the first, when we looked at the set of, 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 um, characteristics or or phases that a person goes through. I've told you that when you look at the idea of mourning and joy and all this, that that they could be classified as maybe phases that people go through in their spiritual journey, right? The first few have definitely to do with that individual. Um, The sense of spiritual poverty, the sense of meekness, which we discovered is not necessarily being letting people allow you to run over you, but allowing your power to be put under proper control rather than out of control. And everything has to do with you and God, but this has to do with you and people. Um, this is actually beginning to give out what you've, you've actually experienced. And by the way, you're always going to give from what you are. That's just how life works. You know you, you can cover it, you can try to be charming and try to be clever, but in the end, the only thing you have to offer is you. That's it. Now, there are some things that only Jesus can say that don't allow us to sound arrogant or completely insane. I want you to go to John chapter 5 with me for just a moment. And uh, let me share a story with you. Sometime later, Jesus went up to Jerusalem for a feast of the Jews. Now there is in Jerusalem near the Sheep Gate a pool which in Aramaic is called Bethesda, and which is surrounded by five covered colonnades. And here a great number of disabled people used to lie. The blind, the lame, the paralyzed. And someone who had been there for an invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he had been there in this condition for a long time, he asked him, do you want to get well? Now, if that had been anybody else but Jesus, you, you, can, can, you, can you hear the sarcasm almost? Hey, you tired of lying there? Now, I guess I want you to feel and put yourself in this person's place because of the audacity of the question. This is a person who's been invalid for 38 years, all right? So my first, to show you where my mind works, my first thought is, how did he go to the bathroom? How did he take care of his beard? What did he eat? What, what 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 are the conditions of his fingernails? What what kind of grooming went on, or lack of grooming went on? What, what was there any lotions or oils to take care of his skin in that hot, baking sun? What was his hair like? What, what, was it matted? Was it you know? I mean, I'm seeing everything, because some of us see the Sunday school felt board characters. They almost look happy when they're crippled. Right, And you figure, well, that can't be possible." And so uh, th- the way he smelled, so you have to picture maybe the worst experience that you might have had of dealing with somebody who's homeless and has been dysfunctional in terms of their ability to, um, even if they wish to have purchase personal hygiene, let alone the emotional mental breakdown that begins to happen when people view you as something not only uncomfortable to look at. But obviously, God must not like you that much that he allows you to keep in this state because there's that tacit understanding in the culture. You're crippled from birth. Remember the students of Jesus once asked, well, who was rotten, the parents or the person that allowed this person to be born crippled? I mean, that's how they understood life. And so you have that emotionally debilitating, crushing sense that even God doesn't like me so the question seems sarcastic doesn't it flippant huh, do you want to get well no 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 I, I like laying here in my own filth yeah this is good i, I like never seeing anything but kneecaps and feet i'm totally fine with that you know oh i enjoy begging i enjoy being made fun of i enjoy when the kids kick over my stuff no no this is good i why would i want to be well this is perfect i'm by the poolside. you know it there's it, when you first read it it can come off a little sarcastic and there's only some things that even jesus can get away with asking and of course, really, when you peel back the layers, he's trying to get to the core of the, of the person's soul. Because it's not just the physical that was wrong. There was something going on emotionally and spiritually. But there's also some titles that seem to only apply to, to God, doesn't it? I mean, when Jesus says, look, if you're the peacemaker type, you're going to be known as the sons of God. And here, here's, here's my first reaction to some of this thing. I, I'm... I'm totally fine with being called the children of God because that doesn't seem so aggressive. It seems like, well, you know, God's our Father. We're His children. We're just happy-go-lucky. We don't know much. We're just kids, you know. And it even seems to alleviate the, some of the responsibility as being an adult. We're children, after all. I even got kind of get the people of God sort of thing. Like, okay, as a whole, these people are generally a little bit kinder. Not everybody, but as a whole, they're generally a little kinder than you know. They're not blowing themselves up in protests generally, and uh, um, so these are generally kinder people. I've heard some of the phrases applied to those who call themselves students and followers of Christ as the army of God, and that's where it starts to get a little bit creepy for me. You know, like. But but my point is is that you know we're we're not uh, at least I haven't any longer. I'm not storing up weapons and guns when the government comes to take my. You can take my weapon, out, you pry it out of my cold dead hand. I'm not that guy because I'll I'll willingly give it up. And uh, I I don't even have one anymore. So so that's a little creepy to me, that notion that we're going to do this and take over the world and do this kind of thing because that's just not what I see Christ doing in that sort of forceful way. But the idea of the sons of God, that just seems something like, wow, that is very conceited, isn't it? That's just very arrogant. Except that it is christ himself that says if you are known for being this person you are going to be known as a son of god now i want you to want you to feel what he's speaking to because this is the only way it really does make sense if you remember from your western civ classes your history classes anything you know about greek culture if there's anything about the greeks is that they had a world of many gods And you know what the gods seem to be like to me when I think about them? Like human beings on steroids. Just wielding their power, but they're not necessarily any better than the mortals. They have the same fights, same infidelities, same indiscretions. Not complete knowledge, more than some, but not not much more than the mortals. There's flippancy, there's, there's just messing on and goofing off, and they just seem to be human beings with superpowers. Not really that noble. And so when Jesus says, when you are a peacemaker, you're going to be known as sons of God. And he's speaking against that backdrop, and even against the Caesar in Rome, who was known as a son of a god, because l- let's face it, there's something very almost sensually attractive to being able to call the shots in your life. Um, in fact, uh, this is none seems going to be disconnected. Have you guys ever thought about what would you do if you somehow, for some reason, actually won the lottery? See, some of you have actually thought about it, right? I, I have I would have this you know, huge foundation with my name emblazoned on top you know, to show my humility that, that you know, the Octavio Cesar Martinez foundation for everybody else who's less than he is which is everybody else, something like that you know? and I would dispense from my riches you know, uh, something that would not affect my lifestyle but would show my, my generous magnanimous nature and I would allow people to applaud me publicly as long as they needed to because you know I'm a great guy Right? So, you know, some of you are like, oh, yeah. You would do the same thing. I mean, so, okay, I'm struggling with that. This is probably why I have not been allowed to win the lottery. Uh, I don't play it either much. Anyway, the point, um, anymore. So, um, but you, can you imagine if you just had incredible wealth, what kind of person you would be? Because now, see, wealth generally equals what? Power, freedom. That's what's so alluring and attractive about it. Because you can be who you want, where you want, when you want. You know, just, you just have power. This is why I'm glad some of us don't have a lot of wealth. You know, how much more destructive would we be? And money's neutral, right? Money's neutral. Money just magnifies who you are. That's all it does. It gives you the freedom to be who you are. So think of the... Apollo and Hercules and all the gods of the Greek culture. They were just human beings. They were were what humanity viewed as the epitome of existence. Power. To be who they were. With very little restraint. Borders that are flexible. That's what Jesus is speaking to. This is the culture that they live in. We read about it. They lived it the Caesar in Rome, the Greeks. And then Jesus says, it, it, is, it is not someone divine who wields their power as they wish. But it is somebody who is, speaking back to the original, some of the earlier teachings of meekness, it's somebody who has their influence and power under the control of God that brings peace, that is known then as a son or a daughter of God. And that must have been such a weird message to hear. Because this is not a culture that is ignorant of the legends and the stories that influenced Greek culture, Roman culture. I, um, Jesus says that people who are known as being sons of God not only just bring peace, but they cause it. That this is what they do with the power that they have. This is what they do with their influence. This is what they do with their resources. This is what seems to be a bit of their drive. In fact, they cannot not want to help and bring peace to a situation. Now, I I will tell you that um, you may not be applauded for what you try to do. I'm pretty sure in some cases it will be misunderstood. So let me say this about some of you who might have been thinking now, I- I'm going to start bringing peace to a situation. Now you're, you're going to bring chaos at this point. So why don't you just, hold on there, cowboy. <laughs> because it's not just this in isolation. It's this in the midst of all the other beatitudes or characteristics of a life that's been connected to God properly. You can see the person that's always trying to make everything else better Without about these other characteristics? You know what we call them, right? A busybody, all right? But someone that's gone through a mourning process, the poverty process, the meekness process, the process of actually going through all of those steps and actually has had themselves changed and interacted with God, some of the first expressions are going to be this. I'm not out of control. I'm a person that brings order to chaos. I'm a person that actually helps speak life and light to a situation that's dark. Because I've had my soul illuminated. And this is not, I want to be careful how I even say this, this is not out of somebody who is better speaking down to the masses. It's just one beggar telling another beggar where there's food. In fact, it's the person that cannot not tell somebody where to get well and to bring peace into someone's life. Jesus is speaking to a culture that understood that some of the highest forms of humanity were people who could wield their power and do their will without anyone stopping them. And you know what? That's kind of still attractive, isn't it? I think that's what drives a lot of us. The idea of having wealth is that we know it means liberty and power. And Jesus says, no. That's actually, it's different. The true sons of a living God not the statues, not the paintings, not the legends, not the stories, but the actual living God is the, is the individual who brings peace into a situation. He goes on that it's something about that title, the, the sons of God, that demonstrates a, a divine image that's stamped in our soul, that we're known for peace. The peacemaker is a person that's been you know, joined with God this is the person that um, restores and, and renews and revives individuals. And that's why they'll be known as uh, sons of God. It's, it's living out and pushing out the stamp of the image of God on our souls. L- let me speak to a couple of things first before we dismiss about this. Because I, I think some of us have been thinking in terms of, man, I'm going to Start bringing peace to a situation now, da 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 da. No, you're going to bring chaos if you are not careful. It's a person that's gone through part of this journey of all those other beatitudes. And you know what? Go back to Matthew chapter 5 for me, bro. Verse 3. You've experienced a sense of poverty that God has spoken to. Verse 4. You've had that sense of loss that God has restored. Verse 5 you have placed this meekness, your power your influence, your talents under the control of God that's meekness verse 6 what is now your appetite what is now almost most important to you, your highest value is what making or helping folks get right with their creator, the sense of righteousness and peace and so how is that going to work out well you're merciful to others you're just a bit kinder, you're just not that person who's quick to point out what's wrong, what's faulty And this almost begins to be that first outward characteristics. I mean, the first few are between you and God. Merciful begins to go out to other people. And then this next one, the idea of bringing peace. Because, see, you are bringing spiritual health to people. And I think it's just so that you don't get discouraged. Like you think you're going to have this magic wand and you're going to just speak Jesus' language and everything goes better. Sometimes it does. Sometimes I also know that it seems like the very medicine and the therapy that we need for our physical bodies seems to cause pain. So at first does spiritual life and health seem to almost cause pain and rip off a scab. Cleaning out a wound. Um, here's one other caution about this. Because I think some of you are thinking, ah, you know what, that I want to be known as that person that actually leaves a place a bit more orderly or peaceful than when I found it. But you won't always get applause for it. Not from here. You won't always be approved for it. Like, oh, thank you for doing what you did. Sometimes, that's not what we're after. We're after bringing out We're after giving out what we've been given. We're, we're out to show folks that they don't have to live completely in despair or dysfunction. And sometimes maybe the, the toughest folks to, to speak to about this or to demonstrate this to is folks that seem to have a successful life. But I know, I mean, I know as sure as the day is coming tomorrow that everybody longs for a sense of peace in their lives because when, when everything is quiet I mean when you there are no annoyances when you, when you, and you've experienced this when you finally put your head on your pillow you can't turn off the voice in your head and some of that noise and some of that accusation and some of the people who replay all the different messes that went on in their heads that you've done guaranteed others have done it as well and if you can point somebody to peace by the way that you love them care for them the words you speak Wow, what an what a cr- incredible gift you've given them. In closing, I would say that you're beginning to experience love for humanity at almost its highest level. But it's next week's talk that you begin to experience love at its highest level. So it's to be continued next week. Let me pray with you guys, to'd let you go. Father, thank you so much for being a God that does care for us and, and love us and restored our souls I pray for the folks that are here and folks who will listen to this podcast later that we would be known as people who bring hope faith and love to a situation that we are peacemakers that means there's a bit of a process that we have to go through first that we can't just operate at that level without having you changed us from our souls first. So I pray that you help us be courageous enough to allow you to work on us and speak to us that we may be known as peacemakers, as sons and daughters of the living God. In your son's name, amen. Thank you for listening to this production by Mosaic Whittier, a community of faith, hope, and love. For more information about Mosaic gatherings and events, please visit mosaic.org.